Well, as I alluded to during the announcements, today's going to be a little bit different. So if you're new, you don't know why it's different or how it's different. But for those of you who've been around for a little while, you know that we've been going through the Gospel of John. And yes, I checked the calendar. It's been a little while. (laughs) Since July of last year. And we're moving right along. And so you'll be excited to hear that we're still in John today, but we're going to be in the epistle of 2 John today. And the reason that we're going to veer off just a little bit, as I mentioned during the announcements, is because of October 31st. And again, if you're sitting there thinking, oh, because of Halloween, no, you're wrong. That's not why. October 31st, 1517, there was a German monk named Martin Luther. Martin Luther was studying the Bible and the original languages, and he started to see a lot of issues in the Catholic Church. He started to see that there was sin in the Catholic Church. In particular, some of the things that were going on were the the, the popes and those in charge were actually abusing their power. See, the problem was that the, the Bible wasn't in the language of the people. And for the most part, it was just in Latin. And most of the people didn't understand Latin. And so there's one truth that's existed forever. If you want to be able to control people, you need to keep them ignorant. And so what Martin Luther and those before him and after him worked to do was to get the word of God in the language of the people so they could read the word of God for themselves. Because the Catholic Church was teaching some false things like something called indulgences. They were teaching that, one, when you sin, you can get forgiveness by just giving a little bit of coin. Now, wouldn't that be easy? Some of you are like, no, that that wouldn't help me either. I don't have any coin. (laughs) But it's a lot easier. And think about that for a second. If that were possible, then there would be no need for Jesus. If you could buy your forgiveness, that would be actually quite a sad thing. So, they were teaching you could buy forgiveness, or if you had family members in purgatory, which is something they taught that's not in the Bible, then if you would give a little bit of money, you could get them out of purgatory a little quicker. They would also teach that there are special Christians, those who really serve God, those who are really holy, and it just so happened that most of them would fall into more of that category, and you would be considered a saint. That's not what the Bible teaches. Who are the saints according to Scripture? Everyone who's a follower of Jesus, because the righteousness we have is not our own. The righteousness of Christ is given to us. He takes away our sin. He gives us his righteousness. And so we are made right, and thus saints. So these different, these among other things were being taught, and Martin Luther had an issue with that. So he went to All Saints Church in Wittenberg, and he nailed his 95 theses 95 concerns, 95 issues with the church, but realized that Martin Luther's desire, just like the other reformers, was not to start a new church or start a new denomination. Their hope was to reform the Catholic church, to get it back to Scripture as the authority. The problem was with the way they, the Catholic church responded, it didn't turn out that way, and you saw the beginning of many different Christianities, denominations, Lutheranism, Baptists, 
Anglican, all these that you see, all the Protestant groups that you see come out of this Protestant Reformation. So every year around October 31st, we cover a new person from the Protestant Reformation, not to worship them, but to praise God for using them. The first year was Martin Luther. Last year, we did William Tyndale, and he was around Luther's time, and he was working to get the Bible in the language of the people, in English in particular. One of Tyndale's quotes that we heard last year, if God spare my life ere many years, I will cause a boy who drives a plow to know more of the scriptures than you do, speaking to the Pope. Yeah, he was burned and killed. (laughs) One thing about the Reformers is they all either died in exile or they were martyred for the word of God and the truth of God's word. If you have a bulletin, you can see, if you flip over to the back page, you can see that there were five truths that came out of the Protestant Reformation that we still hold to today. Five things, five truths that God did. On the left side, you'll see the, the Latin And on the right side, you'll see what it is in English. Sola gratia. We are saved by grace alone. Not our works. There are many, all religions will tell you, and also this is again what the Catholic Church was teaching, that you had to be saved by grace and by works. Jesus plus more. The problem is when you add Jesus plus anything, it ruins everything. You have to rely on grace alone. That way, according to Ephesians 2, as Pastor Doug read earlier, when we're saved, when we're in heaven, it's by grace alone, it's a gift, so God gets all the glory. But if we've done something, then we get to give God a high five and say, hey, look, we saved me together. And that's not how it works. He saves us by his grace. Sola fide, in faith alone. Solus Christus, in Christ alone. As we were singing earlier. Soli Deo Gloria, Everything is to God's glory alone. Working towards God's glory alone. And sola scriptura, scripture alone, is the authority for our lives. Not tradition, not other writings, but scripture. And that's what the reformers were trying to do, was get the scriptures into the language of the people, get it to them so they could read it for themselves. See, in church history, what we had was the church was one. There was Christ, his apostles. We see that in the book of Acts, the church forms. It spreads, and we see the church is, for the most part, united. And then something negative happens in church history. The church gets in bed with the government. Constantine. And there's a a union there. And, as you can imagine, it doesn't take long that there starts to be corruption. Because Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. And so, when power and money get linked with the Bible and with Christianity, it goes poorly. Every time. It's why we're to be separate. Yes, we live in this world, but we're not of it. It's not supposed to be driven by the government. And that was happening. So there was some division as power was wanting to shift from the west to the east. And then in 1054, there was the great divide or the great schism in the church. And you had the western church, the Catholic church. And then you have the Eastern Church, the Orthodox Church. How many of you have heard of Orthodox? Okay, you have that side. So it splits. And now you have these two churches, if you will, going along. Well, out of the Catholic Church, on this line, in the 1300s, we have a man who comes along, known to be the second reformer. And his name is John Huss or John Hus, out of the Czech Republic. 
He's sometimes, because he's also martyred and killed, known to be the flame that starts off the Protestant Reformation by his death. We see that throughout church history. We see that in scripture. When God's people are martyred and killed, the church grows every time. What he wanted to know, what he was fighting for, yes, was the scriptures and the language of the people, but also he was fighting against those indulgences and a false gospel. And what happened during his time is the Catholic Church, actually the power, uh, the people wanted power so badly that there actually ended up being three popes at this time in history. One said, I'm the rightful one. Another one said he was. And another one said he was. So they're battling. And John Huss speaks to this and says, this is wrong. The church should not be divided. And in fact, none of you should have the authority. Scripture should be the authority. John Huss was concerned with truth. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Truth. I'm going to start with John 18, but we're going to be in 2 John today. 2 John. This is Jesus before Pilate. Listen, listen to this. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Listen to this. And Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice, Jesus says, and listen to Pilate's response. Pilate said to him, What is truth? That's what we're talking about today, folks. Truth. Right now, there is a battle, and it was a question back then, and it's a question now. People are asking the question, is there anything known as absolute truth? All the time, absolute truth. Yes or no? Yes. <laughs> that wasn't very loud. Yes. We're going to have some fun today then. Some would say there's no truth. Some would say there's absolute truth. And some would say there's subjective truth. It, it changes. It depends on the culture, on the situation, on the people involved. Brothers and sisters, if there's no absolute truth, then I tell you this, there is no God. By definition, there has to be truth if there is a God. He is truth. Even those who would say there is no truth, is that a truthful statement? So, we want to remember back in the Gospel of John, as we've been working through, you know I couldn't resist it, some. John 14, 6, Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Later on in the same chapter, the Holy Spirit is referred to the Spirit of truth. We know that God Himself is truth. If God Himself is truth, then that means His Word is truth. John 17, 17, but I'll read a little bit before that. 
Listen to what Jesus says about his disciples, his followers, including you if you're a follower of his. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. Psalm 119, 160 says this, The sum of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous rules endures forever. God himself is truth, and his word is truth. Now that we've set that, now turn to 2 John. That's the introduction. Go to 2 John. Some of you are like, oh, Lord. (laughs) It's going to be a long one. Yes, it will. That's okay. 2 John. And some of you who are studying in uh, Ephesians today, you got to the armor of God, right? Right. Right. Wasn't there a belt of some sort that had to be put on? The belt of truth. It goes around us. It gets us ready. We're going to work through 2 John, some of the verses today, 1 through 6, and then we're going to finish it up next week. I'll read out loud. You follow along quietly. 2 John, starting in verse 1. The elder. To the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth. Because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father, Son, and truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we, had heard, we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. John starts off this epistle, this letter. This is John when he's much older, when he wrote the Gospel of John. He was much younger. This is when he's older, wiser, probably more gentle than he was. When he's younger, that seems to happen. So he starts off this letter, the elder. Now, in particular, this letter does not say John's name, but we know due to the other letters that he writes and early church history that he's the author. The elder to the elect lady and her children. There's been some discussion on, well, who is this lady? Is this like a friend of his with her kids? By the context, this doesn't seem to be what's going on here. This seems to be a church, a local church that existed that John ministered to at some point. So the elect lady would be her would be the church, and her children would be the church members of the church. Listen to what John says. Now, remember, we have truth now. We have the Word of God. We have God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. So, when he says, her children whom I love in the truth, that means in accordance with who God is, in Christ, in accordance with His Word. He loves them in truth, and not only I, but also who know the, all who know the truth, all those who know God, know Christ, know the Word. Because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Some of you remember from the uh, Gospel of John, who is it that lives inside of us forever? Jesus' Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So again, we see this is referring to the Spirit of God, God Himself living inside of us. And His Word remains in us. 
because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Verse 3, grace, mercy, and peace. Man, those are three good things right there, are they not? You don't see them linked together like this very often in the New Testament. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us. Look at this. It's not like I hope this is with you. This is a will be with us. Because why? God is with us forever and we have His Word. These things will be with us. From God, where does grace come from? Where does mercy come from? Where does peace come from? From God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son. In truth and love. God's truth, God who He is, His love for us, extends to us, extends grace, this unmerited favor we do not deserve. Mercy when we should get punished, but we don't. And peace that surpasses all understanding. Verse 4, here's what John says to them. I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. He's not saying that some weren't walking in the truth. It seems that he comes across some of those from this church, and he rejoices greatly. Have you ever had somebody that you've poured into, whether that's your own children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren, and you find out that they're still following Jesus? Even if you haven't seen them for a while. There's great joy in that. When we would go away while we were serving overseas, we would go away, especially when we got moved from cities or from countries, when we would find out that they were still following even when we were gone, our souls would rejoice greatly. John says the same thing here. I want you to note this walking in truth because as we end, we're going to tie that back in. Verse 5, And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning that we love one another. When you walk in truth, guess what grows every single time? Love. You want to ask yourself if you're a true Christian, truly following Christ? Are we a true church, truly following Christ? Is your church, if you're a guest, truly following Christ? What kind of love do you have for one another? If there's no love, not walking in truth. But if there's great love, then you're walking in truth. Verse 6, the last verse here. And this is love that we walk according to His commandments. I'm not sure what love is. Well, it's following your heart. You see somebody from across the room and you say, oh, I love them. My soulmate. No. Love is a choice. And we went through 1 Corinthians 13 and we saw that love is actually very difficult. And on our own, we can't have true love. We need the Holy Spirit inside of us to love the way God does. So to walk according to His commandments, this is the commandment, just as you heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. You should walk in love. How do we learn about love? What is that tied to? Walking in His commandments. How do we learn about His commandments? His Word. Truth. Here's the quote from John Huss at the end of his life. It's on, again, the back of your bulletin. He says, Dear Christian, seek the truth. Seek Christ. Seek God. Seek His Word. Listen to the truth. Teach the truth. Love the truth. Abide by the truth. And defend the truth unto death. Brothers and sisters, that's what the Reformers were doing. They were dying so that we could have the Word of God. And listen to this. We have brothers and sisters all around the world. They don't even have the Word of God in their language. We have brothers and sisters throughout history who have given their lives so we could read a Bible, and we don't even read it. 
We're not seeking the truth sometimes. We're not loving the truth. And even when we are seeking it, reading it, are we loving it and are we telling it to other people? Are you willing to die for the Word of God? Are you willing to die for the Gospel? Are you willing to die for the glory of God? But I have a better question for you. Are you willing to live for it? What are we doing? What does this look like? So, this is what I'm going to end with. And I knew you were hoping I would have something this morning. What does it look like to live for the truth? It looks like a bowl. A mixing bowl. Sorry, honey. All right. Put it up here. So let's pretend that this is our lives right here. This bowl. This is your lives. If we're going to say truth is subjective, it doesn't really matter that much, it changes, this is how most people live. This is how the world will tell you to live. This is how you should live your life. So here's what we do. What happens is things come into our lives. We hear things, teachings, ideas, philosophies, and it just gets poured. And you can see there's some gunk in here. In this glass, some of you can see. And we just let it go straight into our lives and our minds without anything. Or, even worse, perhaps, we say, hmm, well, whatever I've heard in school or whatever I've heard on television, especially from Hollywood and what I've seen in movies, I'm going to use that and then I'm going to make sure to filter everything, including what I hear the Bible, from the Bible, through what the culture tells me. And so, even if the Word of God was going to come in, it would be caught because it's not our authority. Whereas, how it should be, the Word of God should be our filter. This is what it means to live, abide in the truth. This is the truth, the absolute truth of God. Everything you hear, everything you see, should go through the filter of Scripture. So then, when things come, every time it's caught and only the good stuff actually goes in. So, when somebody asks me, are you going to have a big Halloween party up there at the church? No, we're not. Because if you research what Halloween actually is, it's not godly at all. See, everything that we come across, we need to use Scripture and ask the question, Is it something that we're able to receive? We've talked about this before. Is it something that we have to reject? Or is it something that we could tweak a little bit and redeem it? But Scripture has to make that decision for us. The question is, how are we doing with that? Everything. So here's your challenge this week. Two areas. Simple. Two areas. Got two verses and then we're going to pray. Ephesians 4.29 Ephesians 4.29. Listen to this. This is challenge one. You're going to have the Word of God as your filter. Challenge one this week. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Let me repeat that. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. For one week, we're going to try our hardest to not let anything come out of our mouths that tears down. 
only things that go through the filter of the Word of God. Not a negative thing to anybody. Second, Psalm 101.3. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. Just that part. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. That could be a challenge. Don't go too extreme with it either. It could be anything and everything in our everyday lives. Be very careful. We're going to use Scripture as our filter for everything this week because we believe, like John Huss, that we should seek the truth, listen to the truth, teach the truth, love the truth, abide for the truth, and defend the truth unto death. And we're going to live by the truth. Amen? Amen.